Thanks so much for tuning in to all of the episodes of 52 Weeks of Why. Um, we're into the halfway point of the 52 weeks at this point. And I think at some point I'll do an episode where I go back and, and revisit and re-articulate some of the things that I've learned from the people that I've interviewed. <clears throat> but I just want to thank everyone for who's tuned in, who's been on this adventure with me. It's been really cool to hear what motivates people, to hear whether that has been their motivation their whole life um, and how that changes their morning and evening and daily activity. Uh, my guest today, man, just in our brief conversation before we got recording, right up my alley in terms of what he's reading and what we were talking about. So the quote today kind of ties into what we were discussing before we hit the record button, and it has to do with the subconscious. Um, and this comes from Think and Grow Rich, uh, and I just want to share this quote very quickly. And it says that faith is a state of mind which may be induced or created by affirmation or repeated instructions to the subconscious mind through the principle of auto-suggestion. Now, this book was written a long time ago, right? So the principle of auto-suggestion isn't something that we hear about in 2020 very often. Uh, but he explains this a little bit. You can convince the subconscious mind that you believe you will receive what you asked for, and it will act on that belief, which your subconscious mind passes back to you in the form of faith, followed by definite plans for procuring that desire. Repetition of affirmation of orders to your subconscious mind is the only known method of voluntary development of emotion of faith. If you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you like to win but think you can't, it's almost certain that you won't. If you think you lose, you're lost. For in the world we find success begins with a few fellows it's all in this state of mind. If you think you're outclassed, you are. You've got to think high to rise. You've got to be sure of yourself before you can ever win a prize. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man, but sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. Um, I've spent the last four or five years of my life um, reading and, and studying this concept of, of training my subconscious. And um, Steve Cross is my guest. Steve and I were talking about this. And before we dive in, Steve, I want to banter about this a little bit because it's really something I'm passionate about. And I talked about how I think everybody can relate to this idea that you have a question that's presented to you that you don't have an answer to right away. And you say, okay, let me sleep on that. And somehow, magically, you wake up the next day and you have the answer. And you haven't consciously thought about it at all. There's no re repetition of thought in your head. You've just simply thrown it back into your subconscious. Um, and you wake up with an answer to that. Uh, Steve, first, thanks for being here. And second, has that ever happened to you? Often. <laughs> Quite often, actually. Um, yeah, it's, it's every day. It's a part of your entrepreneur, entrepreneur life that you, you kind of make time for 
priority decisions and decisions and, and things that can take less priority. You just throw them to the back of your mind. You don't consciously think about them. And the next day you have an answer for an employee or for a client that you might not have necessarily been consciously thinking about. Yeah. So I help people with mortgages and um, sometimes you face an obstacle with a particular client or file that you just, you could beat your head against it for hours and never come up with the answer. But at 2 a.m., something clicks and you wake up and you're like, I've got it. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Um, and so what was interesting to me is I learned um, from reading Thinking Grow Rich and, and uh, Blink by Malcolm Gladwell and a couple of other books that, that this is something that you can do with intention, that you don't have to plant the seed and wait until the next morning to get the response. Um, and there's been a lot of writing about this. The final poem that was in that quote that I read has a lot to do with thinking positively and your outcome becomes what you repeat and what you repeatedly think about. Um, we all know people who have won who weren't the fastest or the brightest or the best, right? And that, that kind of solidifies that philosophy. But Ryan Holiday, who's a modern writer and a stoic, his most recent book is uh, Stillness is the Key. And so in this thought of planting seeds in your subconscious, you have to also allow for opportunities and stillness to get the answer. And that's why most of us get it first thing in the morning after we wake up or in the middle of the night while we're sleeping. Um, so if you plant that seed and then you allow yourself to be disconnected for a few minutes even and empty your mind, the same result happens. So you can plant the seed and get the answer in 10 or 15 minutes if you do it strategically using the same tactic of planting the seed and waking up the next day. Um, I haven't talked about this at all in the podcast yet. I'm surprised because I've read about this a lot. Um, but Steve and I were talking about this, and I know he, he said that it's, it's something that he practices. So are you also kind of um, – it's a very – 2018 to 2020 thing on the positive bandwagon, right? Right, thinking positively. Yeah, I definitely. I'm always a supporter of positive vibes, positive thinking. I've been a, a firm believer in karma probably for the last 20 years of my life, most of my adulthood, um, and just always doing the right thing. Eventually, it will find its way back to you in the world. Yeah, it's it's amazing how my life changed as well. Uh, I, I've always been a really good cynic. Um, the naysayer voice in my head is hilarious <laughs> and yeah. terrible at the same time, right? Like, and I always thought that that cynic voice in my head was hilarious and it made other people laugh, but my life wasn't good when I was listening to that voice or articulating what the voice said. Right. Um, and it took a lot of training my mind to push that, voice that I've now convinced myself isn't funny, um, that that humor isn't really good humor. Like, it all, sure, it'll give us all a little chuckle when you hear that guy, but that's not the guy that we want to listen to all the time. It's not the lifestyle that we want to live. He should be back in a dark, dingy corner somewhere, um, not in the forefront of, of your mind. Um, so, Steve, it's really cool to hear some of your story before we started recording. Um, and I want to talk about family first. It's always where I begin. So married for eight years, 
Um, and and I'm just so amazed that you have four boys, yep. ranging from college to preschool. That um, the marathon. I can't even wrap my mind around that with uh, an eight, a six, and a three-year-old. I'm in the lower echelons of where you are, right? So you've got two that are in that zone, but you're also dealing with a teenager and a college student. Um, so the the financial outflow <laughs> that's yeah. coming from the teenager and the college student paired with the emotional outflow of the toddler and the uh, elementary student, um, it's pretty awesome. I didn't ask their names. What are the boys' names? Uh, we got Quentin, Xathan, Sullivan, and Jacoby. The youngest is four? Correct. Yep. Yep. Oldest is 18. Quentin, he's, in the, he's at YSU, a freshman this year. Um, and Xathan, he's a senior at Columbiana. And then Sullivan is first grade in Poland. So then Jacoby's preschool. So last year when COVID hit, you know, we dealt with losing Quentin's at the end of his senior year and not knowing what was going on. It was no big deal to Xathan at the time because he was only a junior and everybody was like, eh, it'll go, come and go. And then as we move forward, you know, trying to do college visits and doing that stuff, um, Xathan missed out of all, all of his recruiting for, for football over the summer because every camp was closed, NCAA shut down uh, recruiting. And now, like, we go, it came full circle because now Xathan didn't know if he was going to go back to school for his senior year, if it was going to be remote, if he was going to have a football season. Um, and then Quentin going into, into YSU, it's like no big deal because YSU, he only has – uh, I think two remote classes, the rest of his classes are still live in person. So it really hasn't affected him going into college all that much. So, yeah, so we, we get every, get it from every angle. My wife is a, is a volleyball coach. So she also coaches the sports team right now through, through all this coronavirus and everything. Um, so it's just, uh, yeah, it, it's part of our daily lives. I have a good friend who, whose daughter I'd become friends with was a senior last year. Um, and had played lacrosse, heavily involved in lacrosse uh, up in the Akron Stowe area. And, you know, lacrosse is a later in the school year sport. And they had built up to this team that their this was their senior year. It was the year they were going to finals. They had all of these big plans for the team. Um, and they, they never got to play. They didn't get to play a game. Yeah, it's it's not only is it it's it's difficult because I when I was a teenager I swore I would never forget a couple of key things about being a teenager and one of them was the intensity of emotion. Um, I felt like I, my parents were always telling me, "Oh, you'll get over it. Oh, it's no big deal. It's not as big of a deal as you think it is." And I just hated that I was always my feelings were always made to be not what I felt like. Yeah, so I, I completely relate to that. Now, you've been married to your wife for eight years um, and, and currently an entrepreneur, born and raised in Ohio, lived down by me and went to Crestview down in Columbiana, yep. uh, and now you're in Poland, right? Grew up a hillbilly, and now I'm a transplant in Poland. Nice, nice. And so the company that you run, um, I... I I'm going to assume we haven't talked about it, but I'm going to assume that the entrepreneurial spirit and what you do for a living probably correlates pretty well to your why. Um, but tell us a little bit about uh, iSynergy, what it does, and how long have you been involved with it? Yep. Uh, iSynergy, I founded it in 2011, uh, digital marketing agency. We do 
uh, pretty much everything on the internet, um, create websites, excuse me, do the digital marketing, social stuff, um, SEO, search engine optimization. Um, and basically people come to us with goals and targets for their advertising and we execute it off. You and I talked a little bit about this prior to segueing into being an entrepreneur and, and being involved in iSynergy. You were not an entrepreneur and you had a job um, leading into the foreclosure crisis, which was solid, salaried, yep. met your wife, got engaged and came home and said, honey, I quit my job. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what happened. Um, I don't even, I'm not even sure if we were engaged yet. I think we still might, might've been just dating. So yeah, I left a, a six figure job, came home, said, I'm, I'm done with that. We're going to start an agency. Um, and as the story goes, I kind of tell it that, um, you know, I, I just got fed up with corporate America, middle management, um, the layers of, of the hierarchy. Um, it just, it, it was killing my spirit as a human. Um, and just as a, as a person, you know, growing up, you start your why with, Hey, I want to make a lot of money. I want to achieve these certain goals. Um, then when you grow up and you mature and your goals mature and you figure out your real why, um, completely that money at that time was not as important as, you know, I was over in Pittsburgh. So I was leaving at 5 a.m. I was getting home about 7 p.m. I was divorced at the time. So my two older boys, I was missing out on a ton of time with them um, that I had. So it just wasn't worth it for me. Uh, it was just a, a multiple reasons um, just to, to say you're done with it and it wasn't worth it. So yeah, that's how, that's how that came to be. And this was, I mean, a de over a decade ago and she stayed with you um, despite quitting your job yeah. and yeah. she, she... <laughs> how smart is she, right? <laughs> um, yeah. I jokingly say, right. So I was, I've been with my wife um, since 2001. We didn't get married. We got married in um, 2009, right after the foreclosure crisis in the midst of it pretty much. Right. And I was in the mortgage industry at that point. And I figured if she could, um, be with me through those times, um, we could make it through just about anything, right? And uh, same thing, like your son went through a really challenging time last year, if he could make it through that, right? Just about anything. And relationship-wise, if we could do this with our wives and make it, then we know our relationship can make it through just about anything, right? right. That's the exact same philosophy I had with the business. I figured if I could start a business and make it through that, I can make it through anything. Yep. Awesome. All right, Steve, thanks again for your time and for, for sharing the story. I thought it was really interesting and, and good to segue and lead up into uh, your why. So please share with us your why. My why is just to help. Um, I get, you know, full gratification um, and fulfillment in my life by helping others achieve their dreams. That's it. Um, that's when I started the agency, our niche, um, and we still have a niche is with startups and we're not talking about VC startups on the West coast, you know, with millions of, of backing. This is somebody that has an idea. They may have a couple of grand and Hey, how, how do I, how do I move forward? I don't even know what to do with this. Um, and the, just watching and working with those people, the passion and the motivation that they have of wanting to achieve something or wanting to create something, a legacy, uh, wanting to achieve, you know, financial freedom, 
or sometimes it's just ego driven. Um, they just want to be known as that entrepreneur or that, uh, uh, that success story. Um, getting to help those people also, you know, in, in you know, as we've gra uh, graduated larger in, in the agency and it's not just myself, that why still holds true and it, it goes right through with the agency. Everyone here knows that our goal here is to help others achieve their goal. That's exactly what it is. Um, whether we're dealing with a marketing manager that has a whole marketing staff and their budget is seven figures, or I'm talking to um, a mortgage broker or an insurance company where it's just a mom and pop shop and they have a couple of people that work part time. They're, they're still trying to achieve their goals. They're still trying to put you know, food on, the, on their table, um, different, different levels, but um, they come to us and they, they, they have trust in us to help them achieve those goals. Um, and that's what we, that's what we do. That's what it comes down to. Do you think that helping other people achieve their goals has been your why since you were a teenager? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't retrospectively looked back at it upon that. It definitely consciously was not, um, you know, as any most teenage boys, I was very self-centered. Hey, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. Um, my why back then, I have thought about this a little bit. It was to push the boundary and to do something. My goal was always to do something that somebody else had never done before. I'm always one that uh, I've always thought outside the box, pushed the envelope, questioned everything, um, and that's what I base my agency on. Is ask why. Um, question everything. So, um, yeah, that's. It, it, I think there's a tie in there somewhere. Uh, I'm not sure where it is, but uh, I think there is a tie in there, though. Was there a point where someone entered your life and helped you realize a goal that that pushed you into wanting this to be your why? Absolutely, it was. It was my wife. Um, figuring out what my why was and having the confidence to attack it for sure. Um, she's always been, you know, it, it, it's that old saying, you know, behind every great man is a great woman, but you know what I mean? It, it's absolutely true. You need that person and you need to have that person with you um, to tell you, you know, at the end of the day, when you're beat up and you're defeated to, to tell you, um, when you don't have that inner dialogue anymore, telling you, nope, tomorrow's going to be better. Like, and you start questioning yourself and your everything, you need that person to say, you know what, I believe in you, tomorrow's going to be better. And you're like, are you sure about that? You know what they, are you crazy? You know, because then you start questioning their sanity. Um, but uh, yeah, it, without a doubt, 100%, it was my wife, um, that relationship, that healthy relationship of uh, codependency, helping each other, propping each other up, always being each other's biggest supporter for sure. I, I think it's cool that you've articulated that way because we all, it's that voice of the naysayer, right? Mm -hmm. um, just gets louder and louder. And, and sometimes we forget that that voice isn't us. And we, we let the voice overtake us and we start believing it. Right. And, um, and whether you're religious or not, or what you believe or not, that, that voice is a liar. Um, and that voice comes to us trying to, to trick us and trying to drag us down. Um, and if you don't have that person, when at, at the moment you need it to, to lift you back up and to, to help push you back up, 
um, you can really get down into a pretty, pretty low place in your life, mentally and emotionally, that, that um, I've, I've experienced that because I didn't have that. And, and you're right to have that person help lift you up. So um, you, you came out of your, your youth and out of a, a good salary job and met your wife and had the inclination that you wanted to, to start ice energy and wanted to start helping other people realize their goals and achieve their goals. Is there a point where you can hang your hat and say, I've done it. Um, I'm, I'm my why is, is complete. I'm successful and I, I can move on now. Or is it something that, that is, is forever going? It'll be forever going without a doubt. Um, there's no quantifiable, um, I guess, finish line for me. Um, it's always about knowing that there's other people out there that we can help um, in creative, strategic ways. And as long as we're always doing the right thing, people are always going to have a need and want us to help them. Um, whenever I, I started the agency, it was always a long-term play. It wasn't, especially in Youngstown, Ohio, you do things the wrong way. And you try to get in, you know, get people, you're not going to be around very long. You know, it's not like a major market where you can probably do that for 20 years in Chicago and you fly under the radar, um, trick some people. But in Youngstown, Ohio, you do that for a year or two, <laughs> you're out. Yeah, you're out the door. Um, so it's always been a long-term play for us. Um, and, and just, um, I get asked often, you know, what is the long-term goal? You know, because some agencies and some businesses, and it's one of the questions I've initially ask a client on like an onboarding, what's the goal here? Are you trying to build up and get, you know, um, revenue? Is it acquired users? Is it, are you just trying to get, get larger so that way you can get acquired? Are you trying to catch out? Um, and my long-term goal, it's, it's odd because I always hold clients to that question and put their feet to the fire. But if somebody asks me, I don't have an answer. It's just to, to do good things and, you know, give people the, um, the people here that I work with, a, a good work environment. And uh, that's about it. I just enjoy what I'm doing what I'm doing. And I don't have to work at a factory and I, I can't stand monotony. I, I just have to, uh, every single day has to be different. When you um, are getting started with the day, I'm in a similar position with you with, with kids in my life. And um, the, the morning routine's a little different with a three, four, five-year-old than it is with kids in school and, and kids in college and no kids. So how does, does the goal or does your why of helping others realize their goal, is that, is that a part of a morning routine for you? Absolutely. Um, it used to be a little bit different, you know, obviously before the second round of kids came through, um, I used to hit the gym in the morning at five, five thirty AM. <laughs> Don't do that anymore. My why of helping people. The very first thing I do is I, I think of, um, you know, I try to plan out my day the night beforehand. Um, and when I wake up in the morning, my morning routine is basically my time. I get up before anybody else in the house. Um, I try, you know, I have my coffee or tea. I get my shower. I get ready for the day. And I'm just mentally preparing for what that day is going to bring. Um, and I think that's how I get ready. I don't have any certain process. Um, I have a few roles for myself in the morning. Um, like I don't look at my phone other than I check the weather for about 10 seconds. And that's about it for the first 45 minutes to 60 minutes that I'm awake. I don't look at anything digitally. 
Um, I just, I think it's been proven that it kind of ruins your day and offsets your mind for the day as well. If you're, if you jump on a digital device too soon. So I take that, I try making it 45 minutes to an hour and just experience the day, experience the morning and mentally get ready for uh, meetings or client meetings, uh, internal meetings and my tasks that I have to do. And, you know, it's just like a, a sport, you know, you do your mental reps um, for a sport. Uh, so that way when it's time to execute, you're ready to go. And basically that's what I do take for my morning. Um, and then, you know, whenever wakes, everyone wakes up, it's that controlled chaos of our house um, <laughs> that takes over. Um, and you just hope the habits of the, the metal reps take over when it's, when it's time to execute. There's something to be said for being up before the chaos of, of the house begins, especially with kids, right? If, yeah. if the first thing that wakes you up is the three or four year old next to your bed, um, it's go time right now. And there's no, there's no catching up mentally to where you are now, right? Whereas if you're up before that, um, you have time to get yourself centered, to get your anchor firmly placed mm -hmm. so that if there's tantrums over socks or shoes or if there's arguments over brushing teeth or which clothes to wear, um, you're in a little bit better of a mental place when you're facing those yep. than if you wake up and it's go time right away. Wake up, go time right away, you are reactive. Yep. You are not in control. Um, you're not responding where you're articulating and thinking about what you're saying and doing. You're reacting to the stimulus. And kids, they thrive on that. They get you into reaction mode, buddy. It, it, no, it, it'll happen the entire time until you regain control um, and begin to respond. Um, I had Andy Andrews on the podcast who um, is an outstanding author. Uh, and he, when he was going through a life transition, was told to start reading biographies. Um, and so one thing that he brought up about this morning routine that continues to stick with me is all of the most successful and influential people in our history they all have one thing in common and that's they they woke up very early and he said that they seem to accomplish extraordinary things with the same time the same lifespan as everyone else and his theory is that it's because they had those morning hours where they could really get to it and do work and there's something to be said for having that time in the morning not being impacted by by digital media or by your phone um not being reactive to other things that are waking you up right but right. waking up and being control of your morning uh and then being in control of your day uh, really really powerful yeah thank you for sharing that um any final thoughts i know that you within your company um, talk about the why. And I found that to be very interesting. There's not a lot of companies and people that do that. Um, so before we wrap up, any final thoughts relating to that or anything we didn't hit on? Doing it for a business is much more difficult because um, you're uh, when you're doing it for yourself, you're peeling back your own layers. You're peeling back your own subconscious. Um, when you're doing it in a business, even a small business like mine, it's you have multiple personalities. Hopefully, you have some diversity in your in your office, um, and everybody has an opinion. Obviously, um, so getting everybody on board with that 
um, I thought would be a couple, you know, two, three month process. And, you know, that's more like a, an eight to 12 month process um, of doing it. And it's, but it's a great exercise to do. Um, we went through it a little bit and I, I ju we ju actually just onboarded a client um, last week who had a, um, they, they didn't call it their why, but it was like a, um, I forget what they call it, um, but it was from a, a Harvard study about defining, you know, an internal doc, not a mission statement, um, not a company values, but just an internal doc about what their brand means and what their goal is internally and their voice. Um, and it took them about 12 months as well. So it was pretty interesting um, to hear that. And they're a much larger, you know, a few hundred employees um, that the CEO went and categorized some employees, brought them in and just did the entire process. So, um, it, but all in all, it, it made us much better um, uh, communicating and understanding of our daily decisions and how, thing, how we handle things internally with clients and internally um, made uh, everyone's lives much smoother. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask why you felt that was important to do. Um, I think you, you answered it, right? It, it becomes your true north on your compass. It becomes the, the thing that you weigh all decisions that you need to make against. And uh, now some of these decisions don't, don't have to be uh, thought in depth about because they don't fit with the why. And you are able to say, this is not something that we're involved in or want to be involved in because it's not on the same trajectory that we find ourselves on. It, it actually removes a lot of communication because instead of getting questions about, well, how do I handle this? Or what do you want to do about this? It's already been explained. It's already, already been addressed of through our why, what we do and how we do it. That's, a, that's your answer. And that's pretty often after when we finished up, that was my answer to employees. Well, what do you think? Well, we just did this exercise. What do you think that means to you uh, in this situation? And then people, you know, started doing their own critical thinking and applying it to their to their daily tasks and lives and client relationships. And you know, it just removed a lot of that doubt and, and communication. What a great place to finish. Uh, you summed it up perfectly, my friend. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for going through the the journey of of kids and yeah. school and um, being an entrepreneur and now talking a little bit about how COVID has impacted your life and your teenager. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. You bet. Pleasure to be on. Appreciate it.